Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman, and today I'm talking with Alison Morass, who is a nutritional therapy practitioner who knows her way around the kitchen because not only is she a passionate home chef, but she's also a holistic nutrition professional. She's the author of the Paleo Gut Healing Cookbook, which I have right next to me. It's got such yummy photos and recipes in it. And in it, Alison also shares a 14-day meal plan, plus food lists and gut healing strategies. So you can imagine that we have lots of interests in common. And just before we get to our chat, I want to let you know that this episode of the Life After Sugar podcast is brought to you by the After Sugar Club, where you get guidance and support and accountability to really get to the heart of your relationship with sugar so that you can get it out of your system once and for all and experience the joy and the freedom of not even needing or missing sugar anymore. Come join us in the After Sugar Club at aftersugarclub.com. All right, here's my chat with Alison. Oh, today I'm talking to Alison Maras. Is that how you say your name? Is it Maras or Maras? You said it perfect, Maras. All right. And yeah. so can you tell me a little bit about how your life was like when you were not in the best of health? Yeah. So I would say I was working nonstop. Uh, no, maybe not a whole lot of time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was, I was just, you know, burning out uh, on all ends, personal life, work life. Uh, food was an afterthought in the sense that it was takeout all the time. Um, going to, you know, I certainly was going to restaurants and doing happy hours because I was working like crazy in New York city. And you know, even though I thought I was following sort of this mainstream health advice where I was trying to be more vegetarian and eat less meat and uh, have lots and lots of smoothie bowls and have salads and, and all this stuff, again, which was all takeout. I was not making <laughs> most of that. You know, I thought, cool, balance, I'm doing it. Um, and you know, my symptoms, I think I normalized for a long time, most of my life, right? Like I grew up seeing my family struggle with autoimmune diseases and diabetes type two cancers. And I think, you know, we can all relate to a lot of that where we feel like, well, this is the cards that I'm dealt. And, you know, this is what happens as you maybe age or whatever. But in my mid twenties, I started seeing a lot of things just, it felt like everything was crashing down on me. I was on the birth control pill for 10 years prior, uh, since I had been 18 years old, because I had PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, very, very painful periods. And that was presented to me as the only option to get my pain under control. So I could function, you know, two to three days out of every month. I used to 
miss school. I used to miss work. There was just no way to live for me. I wasn't going to go to college like that. So I was like, okay, I'm getting on the pill. And it was great. Covered up all my symptoms, <laughs> masked all my issues. Um, and then once I got off, that was kind of this this perfect storm of me burning out on all ends. Like I mentioned the takeout food growing up on the standard American or modern diet, where it was just very heavily processed, uh, lots of sugar. And then finally, now I had a trigger for Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease, which I didn't know yet, but my hair was falling out. Uh, my hormones were a wreck. My period was just as painful, came right back just as painful as ever, if not more. And, you know, it, that was the wake up call that was, oh my goodness, I cannot normalize the bad periods, the terrible digestion, all this stuff anymore. This isn't normal. And on top of it, now I had all this new slew of issues, the hair loss. I had dermatitis, uh, lots of skin issues, irritations. I was getting more and more sensitive to foods. Um, and this was at a time where I feel like gluten-free was becoming trendy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, maybe there's something to that. And I started trying it. Um, so that, that was the low point where I had to do something. I had to get a wake up call. <laughs> yeah. And was it your body giving you a wake up call or was it some like professional medical professional that gave it to you? It was my body. Um, it was really starting to listen in and say, you know, maybe not everyone suffers with these things. They don't actually. And again, like I was always just kind of told by my family, like, Hey, we have bad periods. Hey, we tend towards getting constipated and having allergies and food sensitivities. And there was never a question as to, but why, what's causing that? It was very much just, and I think you can relate to, right? Like my parents' era was very much like everything was genes, like, oh, your genes, right? Like you are just stuck and predetermined with these things. And so that's what their doctors were telling them. And so we were just like, oh, this is the way it is. Everyone's got something. Um, but I think what we didn't realize was that great quote that I know Chris Cresser always says, and that's uh, genes load the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. And so my environment had pulled the trigger at around age 26, 27. And I was like, oh no, this, I'm too young. This didn't start for my mom. This, you know, you can start to see where it does, epigenetics shows us like it actually can get worse and worse and worse. It's mutating more and more and your environment keeps, right? The toxins keep piling on, this, the diet is not changing. And so yes, genes, but also when you're with this fam, you know, a family and friends and people who are sick, you're also in their same environment that's making them sick. Yeah. And so that's what I started to kind of clue into. And I'm like, well, but I'm doing the healthy things I'm doing. I'm drinking smoothies. I eat vegetables, you know, like these very basic, <laughs> you know, mainstream dietary things. Um, but it was very clear. There's nothing like losing all your hair. I got to tell you, like just me, like just looking in the mirror, mid twenties, I just got married. I was like, wait, he's going to want like a refund. Like what <laughs> did he marry? Into? Oh, no. No. I was so, I was so mortified. I was like, what is happening to my body? I literally felt like a stranger. It was to the point that even me, someone who was so out of tune, someone who was so just normalizing, like everyone's constipated. Everyone has these issues, right? It was suddenly like, no, 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 no. This is bad. This is not, not everyone's right. losing their hair. 
totally. And, you know, looking back, I'm so thankful because something had to like beat it into my hard head. Like, Hey, wake up. This isn't right. You can change this. And that's what did it. That flip, that switch that flips from, Hey, everyone's got some, you know, health issues. And in our family, that's just how it is to this. I can do something about it. How did that happen for you? Yeah. So it was a lot of researching, I would say, um, talking around and, and honestly, something that was happening at the same time of me going through this and trying to find my answers, my mother's father, my grandfather, who I was very, very close to got pancreatic cancer and he had been struggling with diabetes type two already. He had it later on in life. Like he didn't have it his whole life, but he, he got it later on in life. Nobody thought, nobody thinks to check your pancreas, which is a real big no-no. Your pancreas is the insulin maker, right? Like it is very much implicated. If you have diabetes type two, hey, maybe go get your pancreas checked. Anyway, that's an aside. (laughs) That's a pet peeve I have. Um, Anyway, he got pancreatic cancer, which is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Um, He was not able to be operated on depending on where the cancer is on in the pancreas. It's very nuanced. It's a vital organ. Like we it could not be operated on. It was devastating to my family. It was very devastating to me being so close to him. He was like my second father. And I was going through my own issues and his, and I started obsessing. I was like, that's it. I started seeing by starting my blog, foodbymars.com and and taking gluten and dairy out of my diet, just because I was hearing about it, you know, kind of mainstream. I was like, you know what, let me just try messing with this stuff and let's see what it does. Um, So I started doing more and more research and I I found a health coach to kind of help my grandfather with what he could eat and started talking to him more and more. And I remember he was just like, why aren't you doing this professionally? And I was like, what? I can't, I can't change my career. I'm so, I'm so old. I was like 27. (laughs) Oh yeah. So old. What were you doing at that time? I was doing uh, like marketing technology, business marketing and, and all this stuff working for startups. It was a lot of a lot of work and big clients and stuff. And I remember thinking like, no, there's no way, but he's like, but you're already doing it. And I, I, I was, I was doing it on myself. I was doing it with him. I was doing all this research. And uh, that's when it, it kind of hit me like, wait, this is a whole world. This is a whole other world I hadn't considered because mainstream doctors were not, we were at Sloan Memorial Sloan Kettering cancer, uh, famous cancer hospital in New York city. And they were I remember I was like, Hey, what can he eat? They're like, that doesn't matter. I'm like, wait, <laughs> like, but you put food in your body three times a day, right? Like this has to matter a little, <laughs> like a little more than you, they'd already given up on him, but they just didn't tell us yet. Right. So, um, but they refused to acknowledge anything with nutrition could, could be a thing. I was being told I was crazy because my hair was falling out. Maybe you're aging. I was like, what? Like, that's insane. Like that is literally insane. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're cr- like literally top endocrinologists at NYU and Cornell were telling me this because they didn't want ever, to test me. Nobody ever mentioned anything about nutrition. Never, never, not even once. Not even like, hey, what's your sugar and caffeine intake? Do you drink a lot of alcohol? Hey, can, you know, they do, honestly, they judged me. They looked at my appearance and I was quote unquote thin for them. I think you, we talked about this, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so they were like, you're fine. You're healthy. You look good. And I'm like, yeah, but I think I need my thyroid checked. You know, all my research and, you know, my mom was even like, this sounds like thyroid alley, losing all your hair like this and all that. 
And they were like, no, no, but you're not fat. That's what they told me. These really? were top doctors that I was on waiting lists, endocrinologists. Yeah. <laughs> this is what they told me. It's like, I mean, if you want, I can maybe start you on a low dose of Synthroid if that would make you feel better. I'm like, what? It would make me feel better know what's going on. Yes, yes. <laughs> it make me feel better for you to listen to me. So anyway, all of this was happening all at the same time. And that was kind of my other wake up call was like, yeah, I want to help my family. I want to help me. I want to help other people from going through this nightmare because I can't believe I am being told I'm crazy. I can't believe me and my grandfather are being turned away that, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat. Um, and I started cooking for him and I started going, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to start classes to learn how to become a health coach. And then it, it transpired from there. I became a holistic nutritionist and all these other things. Um, but that, that was kind of the gateway into it. That's amazing because I find that sometimes as patients, you know, we feel disempowered because we've got this white coat syndrome where if someone's wearing a white coat, you know, what we don't question what they say. They and I don't us. mean question as in diss them, <laughs> to, to use a New York term. <laughs> you're so street I'm, I'm so street even the way I say it is totally not street but anyway let's <laughs> let's just pretend I'm cool um and so, love it but I mean it's like we don't dare question anything yes. anything they say and we even don't even dare to read up on stuff because we don't want to be that patient who quotes google to our doctor yeah because they roll their eyes. Like I was definitely there where they were like, what? I remember bringing like from hypothyroid mom blog. I remember printing out a thing. I'm like, I have all of these symptoms. Please test this full panel. Oh, you don't need to. Oh, your insurance is not probably not going to cover it. I'm like, I have really good insurance. <laughs> I don't care how much it costs. That's the other thing. And I know in Canada, it's a bit different. Yeah. But it, I mean, still same challenge, right? Is when we're used to, oh, I just pay 10 bucks as a copay, 20 bucks as a copay. Like when we're used to, oh, going to see this doctor and it doesn't cost a lot of money or it's free. The notion that we would have to spend money is like, oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like what I do costs, costs money. Like there yeah. is no insurance for me. There is no coverage for what I do with my clients. And I ended up with naturopathic doctors and functional medicine doctors that were never covered. I had to pay completely out of pocket. But when you get so sick and so ignored, like you're saying, you come to realize like, well, if I'm not spending money on my health, what the heck am I spending my money on? <laughs> what else matters? If I'm oh, not wow. here alive, present, I mean, what else could I be spending my money on? Yeah, that's an amazing mindset shift because I've come along, I've come across, including for myself, this mindset of it should all be free. Like good health should be a basic human right why would I be paying? And, and as you yes. say, in Canada, we have a, you know, a national health system. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be having to pay over and above that. It's not actually free for us. It's with, you know, what we pay for in our taxes, but right. you know, it's like, we shouldn't be paying for more. And at the same time, what we're getting is not necessarily always doing the job. Yeah. So, it's literally like you get what you pay for. I mean, we are paying very, very high amount for the yeah. good, if an excellent actually medical care that we get here but there's certain things that it doesn't address including Absolutely. nutrition and the and the more preventative root cause things that was the biggest issue is 
just chasing symptoms. Like I would go to dermatologists. I went to scalp doctors, which I didn't even know existed. Uh, but I, you know, you start Googling stuff (laughs) (laughs) and given creams, steroids, all things that made it worse. I was like inflamed. I remember having a huge rash all over my scalp, like something to help with my hair. And it was again, like, we're just attacking symptoms. You're not trying to find out why is my hair falling out? Nobody wants to address that. So I started going to acupuncturist, started going to functional medicine. I was paying. (laughs) I didn't care. I was like, I have to find. And now of course I'm so grateful because it was like, yeah, worth every penny. I was able to heal. I was able to get a remission. Uh, I was able to have a baby. I didn't think I'd ever be able to get pregnant in my state. Amazing. So yeah, Amazing. it was and worth who, it. <laughs> yeah, totally worth it. Exactly. And who was it that actually got to the root cause? No pun intended because your hair was falling out. <laughs> <laughs> Roots. I love da, it. Da, da, da. <laughs> I'm cool and funny now. <laughs> I'm so punny. <laughs> So who was it that actually got to the root cause and and helped you to find out why your hair was falling out apart from everything else? It was a functional medicine doctor. Mm. Yep. And a a naturopath. Actually, it was, I was kind of like seeing multiple doctors and on multiple waitlists at that point. And both of them had confirmed like you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis because they did a full thyroid panel um, where the endocrinologists were just testing TSH and T4. And I will say though, I remember looking back at those old labs that they ran, there were still signals. They should have said, oh, we should run antibodies. But the problem is that people don't, people don't understand like, well, why won't they run these tests or whatever? They just won't treat you any differently. They'll still say Synthroid or no Synthroid, see you in maybe six months to a year. I get my thyroid medication checked constantly every few months. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a dose of hormones. You need your body's creating it. You're getting it. Like it's, it's constantly in flux. You need to be checked on it. That's the other pet peeve that I have with this for anyone that has thyroid issues. I'll meet people. They're like, yeah, I just take Synthroid once a day. been doing it for years. I'm like, oh, have you been checked your dosage? Has it been changed? No. Well, what do you mean? How do you know it's working? You know, that's my other pet peeve is like, that happens a lot. They ju- you just get like forgotten about. And it's one of the highest prescribed medications. It might be number one. Yes, so. it seems that way along with statins and yep. all those sorts of things. Just want to take a quick break to tell you that if you're looking for an alternative to conventional medical treatments, then I'm so excited to introduce you to my new partner for this podcast, Medicine with Heart, which is an international functional medicine clinic specializing in difficult chronic cases of hormone imbalance, Lyme disease, mold illness, and digestive dysfunction. You can sign up for a consultation with their team to see if they can help reverse your disease. Find out more about them at medicinewithheart.com. And so how did your hair situation get better? Yeah, well, definitely through cleaning up my diet, that was huge. That had to happen no matter what. That's just foundational. Um, Definitely getting on thyroid medication. And it took a while to find my proper dose because we started slow. We moved up. We kept checking labs, moving up, moving up. Um, The other thing was not just what I had kind of eliminated from my diet, and going to more of a paleo-ish diet. So gluten-free, dairy-free, grain, 
free. I was really trying to heal my gut and all the inflammation that I had, but also what I was eating. And that's something that I really like to talk about a lot because versus just focusing on, I can't have this, I can't have that. That's such a restrictive mindset. And then you're going to be focusing only there on deprivation. Uh, I was trying to focus on like how much, and I know you talk about this, like probiotic rich foods. Can I have how much organ meats, liver, liver changed so much for me because I could not retain like iron ferritin. And that's a big deal for hair. You need ferritin, especially, which is your iron stores. Um, and so all the supplements I was taking, like nothing would ever really get it up high enough to optimal. That's the other great thing about working with more functional, integrative naturopathic doctors. They're, they don't just want the bare minimum that you're, oh, you're in range. They want optimal because yeah. that's how you're going to have optimal results. Uh, so eating liver once a week was huge. And I know a lot of people roll their eyes or they get squeamish, but you could also supplement if you have to. But I would say eating it, especially when you're digestion is not the best you're, you're yeah. going through something it's the most bioavailable way is to just I eat do. it yeah i yeah. love liver I don't have time Pate to at least you you and i the only people that love liver <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with these people no i i think if you just try try some good recipes like you'll get there it's not the worst thing in the world trust me yeah absolutely so that helped i yes. had you know no gluten no dairy i imagine yeah. no sugar no sugar. Um, only, you know, I, yeah, I was having like fruit, like just sort of like natural stuff, but I, I had cut it out. Even alcohol. Um, I really had to cut out for years. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. My body would just like reject it almost immediately. That's how bad things were getting. It was just every month. It seemed like more and more progression very quickly of, I can't tolerate this. I can't tolerate that. And that's how, you know, you have a lot of gut issues when more and more things are bothering you. And so you have to heal because even food sensitivities are not a root cause, right? Like you having these issues, not a root cause. Uh, it really is your gut health, the leaky gut situations that we have um, that cause all of this. So yeah, that was a big deal. The medication, um, I was definitely taking some good hair supplements. I talk about this on my blog. If anyone is suffering from hair loss, come over to my blog, foodbymars.com and search hair loss. I share literally every single thing. I tried a lot, I tried a lot of products, a lot of shampoos. Um, it's got to come from inside out. And, you know, the other major thing, which I know goes hand in hand with sugar is stress. Okay. Firstly, sugar is a stress on the body. But second, and so is any kind of inflammation and any other kind of stuff, but also the external stressors. And like I said, I was working like a crazy person, 60 hours a week, um, going out after work to socialize, living in one of the most stressful environments ever. New York City is so stressful. You're on the subway. There's so many people. It's, it is nonstop. And even though I was used to it, it, it didn't make a difference. Like that's not the way our bodies are meant to live. Like that's not the way we're meant to live really. So um, I started to really pick away at that and realize it and lean more into meditation and mindfulness and um, all the things. And even when eating mindful eating that I talk a lot about. So it was also the lifestyle. I don't want to ever promote anyone overcorrecting with diet and over removing these things, do it and then move on to the other pieces of the pie. Cause there's so much else. Yeah, totally. Yes. And that I think is pretty amazing considering you were what in your late twenties. Mm -hmm. So getting a wake up call early in life, I would say, cause I got mine later in life in my mid forties. Yeah. 
but I sort of now looking back I wish I had had it in my late 20s or earlier in my life because then you've got so many more years of not suffering (laughs) and not just not suffering but actually feeling good all that and people would imagine that the way that you eat more paleo way no dairy no sugar no gluten that that would be in itself a stressor but actually the opposite is true for you right yeah absolutely like you mean in terms of removing stuff yes yeah you know I remember especially in the beginning too it's like you feel really good so you're excited like wow you found something that feels like it's working and then holidays come and parties and birthdays and travel and you want to dine out and this is where the challenge is is the social aspect is how do we and I I always say this because this is what my clients always say I don't want to be that person at the restaurant asking what's in my food it goes it's it's just exactly what you said with the white coat syndrome it's like why are we also having white coat syndrome with like 17 year old waiters like it's okay (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to be forced to, you know, again, like why, why aren't we just speaking up for ourselves a little more? Why are we just like, oh, well, this is what I was given. It's like, who cares? You know, ask for something else, say what you need. Anyway, I started noticing that I was feeling that way a little. And again, I grew up with my mom was always having allergies, food sensitivities. She, she didn't get the sort of help with root cause stuff. It was more so just like, and now I can't eat this. And now I can't eat that and kept losing and losing and losing. And so we would go to restaurants and I remember she was that person. She was that person saying, ah, I can only have this, 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 this. And we would always just kind of like, oh, put our hand on our head. And it's like, oh, come on. So now I was kind of reckoning with that. And I'm like, oh, now it's my turn. How do I want to handle this? Um, And so I would say that those are the biggest challenges that I tend to see is the social aspect. And then of course, missing, just missing food that you like cheese, especially and you know, cakes and all these other things, bread. Oh my God, bread. That is, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the biggest thing, toast in the morning and all this other stuff. And I would just say, firstly, there's so many great alternatives now between good products that are good. They're, they don't have much in them or whatever, especially if they are paleo, like you'll, you'll see there's very little in there. Um, but again, you don't want to lean too much on that. You, you want to mostly cook from home and have more whole foods, but it's great when you are like, Hey, but I just want a little, I want like a tortilla or I just want like a, a toast or something. It's great that, that there are those options now. Cause there were not just a few years ago, honestly. Um, so there's that. And then, um, the other thing is just kind of recreating and having fun in the kitchen. You're going to learn how to cook and it's going to be fun. And especially if you can like check out blogs like mine and, and cookbooks like mine where you're, people are doing the hard work for you. They're figuring out ways to recreate lasagna or, <laughs> or your favorite thing that you really, really miss, I promise. And, and you will get more used to it and you'll feel good after eating it, which is the major benefit, right? That's the best um, thing for your health is feeling good. Totally. And here's the other thing that I want to say is when you go down the rabbit hole of gut healing and healing from the inside out, and you've made these removals, you've gotten your blood sugar balanced, right? This is now when you can start to heal and say, okay, now I'm going to choose on my own terms. Like what does balance sort of look like for me? Many people need to abstain from certain things completely, you know, like sugar or alcohol. And it's like, they just can't, they can't even have it or they're going down a road and that's fine. Honor your personality, honor your bio-individuality, learn that about yourself. Um, But then there may be times where it's like, hey, but you know what, on my birthday, I'm going to do this. Or, 
on this occasion, I'm going to have a little bit of this and I'm just going to do the best quality and in the best way that I can. And that's it. Um, you know, that's why I operate with certain things and certain things I'm like, no, I can't even have a little bit of that. So you, you really just have to take it case by case, find your own sweet spot, use these sort of diets or eliminations as templates to get in touch with your body, just as symptoms are these wake up calls and these, these opportunities for us to learn and transform our health. So are, you know, trying these different templates or diets as well. That's how I like to see them. So that it doesn't make you crazy. (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, yes, it's no use replacing one type of suffering with another type of suffering. Totally. Right. So now you've got this Start Savory Challenge. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. So one of the biggest things that changed for me when I was changing my diet to being more paleo, including more animal protein, I started to learn about sustainable ways like uh, regenerative farming. I would say to anyone who, because I was really like, I had watched so many documentaries about how they were mistreating animals. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is terrible. Um, I started getting educated. There's a great resource. There's a book called sacred cow, as well as it's a documentary. And so if anyone is sort of struggling, I think the people that I see, especially struggle with blood sugar imbalances are people who are not including animal protein in their diet. So vegetarian, vegan, and again, everyone has to do their own thing. And sometimes that will work perfectly well for a person. Um, but if you feel like it's not working well and you're grappling with like, well, well, how do I do this? How do I include protein, animal protein? Um, I would just say, check out those resources, sacred cow. I think it's a really great one and learn more about regenerative farming, support farms in your area, um, or online. That's the beauty of nowadays too, is like, well, you could just order online if you don't have an area near you. Um, and so I started doing that and making sure that I was just like investing in things that I cared about and that were quality for, for the environment, um, for ethical reasons, as well as my own health. Um, so I started doing that and then I started reimagining. So I was, you know, now eating in this new way. And then I was also reimagining what breakfast could look like. And instead of it being toasts and cereals and granolas and oatmeal, oh my God, oatmeal. I ate that for so long and I would be hungry in an hour. Like (laughs) that was always my breakfast, coffee and oatmeal, it's healthy. And then I was hungry in an hour and like moody and everything. Um, So I changed it. I was like, you know what? Why does breakfast have to be this way? And it's now it's sausage, greens, eggs. Uh, It is not anything to do with sugar at all. It is not even very high carb at all. It's low carb. So greens, uh, cruciferous vegetables with protein is usually what I'm having for breakfast. So my start savory challenge is the challenge to, that's what I call start savory in the morning. Uh, It will change your sugar cravings. It will change your blood sugar balance. It will change even your digestion. Like so many people, when they change their breakfast, like it's no joke. If you've ever seen where they say change your breakfast, change your life. Like it's true. You will change so much about your day and it will add up day after day after day. So that's the challenge. It's there to support you. I have recipes, um, daily prompts to, you know, just support you along the way. Cause for some people it is a major shift, but give into it, just give it a whirl. You've tried crazier things, I'm sure. And, (laughs) and this one will be really, really beneficial for you. Fantastic. I mean, I remember when I first started my life after sugar, as I call it now, but Mm -hmm. I remember like my first breakfast was, it, it was eggs and cucumber and coffee and some 
other source of protein that I don't actually remember, but I was thinking there must be a hidden camera somewhere to so that you know the world can see just how weird my <laughs> breakfast is <laughs> with no toast. No it feel so crazy, right? Yeah. It felt so weird, but yeah. after that, I, you know, in my I'd always lived my life with a snack attack at 10 a.m. Yes. But I didn't get any snack attacks like ever when I changed that breakfast and over the years, then my breakfast kept getting later and later in the day anyway. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, breaking my fast later in the day because I just wasn't getting hungry. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that you it can is. start your day, whether it's like 7am or 11am, whenever, start your day on the right footing. And it, it does, it changes, it changes not everything. just your day, but your life. You know, and isn't that the thing about morning routines? That's why everyone obsesses over what's this celebrity's morning routine because they're so productive and so wonderful. Uh, And I think when we're setting our intention for the day, our morning is so important. So yes, if you start your morning with drinking water or lemon water and, you know, working out or getting outside and walking or doing some positive affirmations and meditate, like, right, these are all the things that we hear about making your bed, right? What are you doing? You are getting yourself in order. You are saying to yourself, right? And everyone around you, like, I care about my life today. I'm getting it together. So both from a physical standpoint, I think by shifting your breakfast, you change things so much, but then also the mental, you know? Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, I'm not at all like woo woo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I have to agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You send out this sort of message that that echoes into your whole life. Absolutely. And if you even think of it this way, um, our brain is sending signals to our body all day constantly. We just know that that's science. So it's like if we are in a better mood, if we are in a positive mind frame, why wouldn't that be radiating throughout our whole body? And that's what I started to think about. Do you know when else I started thinking about that? You know, they say when you have a bad hair day, you have a real bad day. He, okay. So that's actually, I remember reading that when I was going through my whole hair loss thing, it was like an article. It was like one of those catchy article headlines. And it was like a scientific study people did of like, okay, they followed people that had a bad hair day or whatever. And I remember thinking, well, first of all, every day is a bad hair day for me right now because I'm losing my hair. Right. And I honestly did. I started to see, obviously there were other things going on in my body, hormonal imbalances, my thyroid issue. But I really did start to see like my mood, my like attitude. I was just like, I was like, this isn't me. This isn't me. I don't want to be this way. So it's just so true that like when we can shift things, it it's we're all we're one thing right so it's like it's all related in some way absolutely absolutely that's what I found as well which is why I call it life after sugar it's not just about cutting out sugar it's about sort of I think there's you've got to start somewhere if cutting sugar or in your case as well dairy and gluten is the place to start just you know so be it that's the place to start but then it has a ripple effect yeah It really does. It really does. And, you know, the more fun and positive attitude you can bring to it. And again, focusing on like, what do I get to eat? You know, whenever I'm looking at someone, like if I, if we do a food sensitivity panel with someone or something like that, and it's beyond gluten, sugar, and dairy, right? It's like, oh, sweet potatoes, broccoli, really weird things. When you have leaky gut conditions, you are going to react to a lot of different 
things, a lot of what you're already eating a lot of. So instead of saying like, sorry, here's all the stuff you can't have. It's like, okay, here's some stuff we have to temporarily remove while we heal your gut, but let's make a list of all the food you can have. And that list is way longer. And when we can go in with that mindset and go and learn about, oh, seasonal vegetables I've never even tried before, seasonal fruit, um, different proteins I've never even tried or considered. That's when now you are expanding your world versus right? Shrinking and I can't have, and I'm restricting and I miss these things. Like, okay, go focus on the positive then. Stop focusing on the negative. (laughs) Fantastic. Reframing it to let's cut out the stuff that makes me feel awful and add in more stuff that makes me feel great. (laughs) Absolutely. And can we do that across our life, please? Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's why I do like that you talk about the life implications, because that's really so many times we just get so caught up on the diet. It's like, oh, because I have to be healthy or I have to like look good in a bikini or what, like whatever it is. And it's like, no, no, no. In reality, it's so that you can live a long help, like happy, healthy life and be present with your loved ones and do the things that you want to do, have the experiences you want to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have a blog, it's food by Mars. That's right. M-A-R-S. Planet.com. Yes. Like the planet. Mm -hmm. And then, but it's food that is available on planet earth, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> Just making sure. I wanted to make healthy recipes that were out of this world. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. And then you also have a book now. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so my book is called The Paleo Gut Healing Cookbook. It's available worldwide. You can get it wherever books are sold. And it has 75 paleo as well as AIP friendly recipes. AIP is for anyone considering the autoimmune protocol. And I talk more about that on my blog if you're interested. And um, I also talk a lot about digestion and, and I share 10 of what I think are some of the best practices to live a gut healthy lifestyle, which includes, you know, cutting out sugar and balancing your blood sugar, um, but also just lifestyle ways, ways of eating to activate our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the system or the state, sorry, that we rest and digest in. And so, so many of us eat in a stressed out rush state. And so we're not digesting, sorry, you're not assimilating your nutrients. You are not breaking things down. And so everything's going to be a wreck. So I talk a lot about things like that, that I wish I knew back in the day uh, that I think we should have learned in health class, to be honest, as kids. And and then I also give a two week gut refresh meal plan in there to get you practicing, you know, get you realizing like, this doesn't have to be so hard. This doesn't have to be a billion hours in the kitchen. Uh, This is doable and feeling the effects for yourself. Love it. Love it. So I'm going to put the link to your blog and to your book with the show notes. And you're also on Instagram, right? Yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm mostly on there sharing stuff, um, trying to work the TikToks these days as well, because that's where it's at, apparently. (laughs) Oh, you really are cooler than me then. Oh, you got to get on there. (laughs) So uh, yeah, so I'm all all over that. Um, I have a Facebook group if anyone wants to come and join and get a little support. But yeah, I'm I'm all over the place. And um, I really just like helping people find a more joyful, easy way of doing this so that it sticks. You know, that's what we need. Yes, it's that sustainability is what it's all about. Definitely. But I find that feeling good is sustainable. personally amen (laughs) amen well thank you so much for talking with me thank you for having me
Oh, wonderful conversation with Alison. And it just goes to show that whatever our backgrounds, whatever the health issues that we've been struggling with, cutting sugar seems to be the common denominator for making most people feel a whole lot better. And if you're looking specifically for sugar and flour-free recipes, as well as tips about looking after your gut health by making your own fermented foods and drinks, then you can find them on my Life After Sugar YouTube channel, on the Life After Sugar Facebook page, and come and subscribe to my Instagram, which is at my Life After Sugar where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, and sometimes pictures of our cat, <laughs> so that you can see that it is totally possible to live an active, happy, and fun life, even if you don't eat sugar. And for more free resources, check out my website, aftersugarclub.com, where you'll find videos about what to eat, how to avoid hidden sugars when you go grocery shopping, and what the deal is with gut health and fermented foods. You can also download my simple guide to getting more energy. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab Simple Guide. And if you're an intermittent faster, then I have five tips for you to help get rid of cravings that may be getting in the way of the easy and natural intermittent fasting lifestyle that you're looking for. You'll find those at aftersugarclub.com. And for a deeper dive into your relationship with sugar and how you can work towards freeing yourself from the hold that sugar has on you so that you can get to that place of joyful freedom from sugar that I've been living for almost seven years and experience what it feels like not to want need or even miss sugar anymore, then the After Sugar Club is for you. Check it out at aftersugarclub.com. And if this podcast is inspiring you to take one more step towards your life after sugar, then could I ask you to please scroll down and leave the podcast a lovely five-star rating and leave a short review to let me know how this podcast is inspiring you to break free from sugar your way and find the real sweetness in life. And if this is your first time here, don't forget to subscribe to the Life After Sugar podcast so that it appears magically in your podcast player every Sunday. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.